All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we are jamming with Josh Linkner, who is the number one booked innovations keynote speaker, world-renowned innovation expert, five-time tech entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, professional-level jazz guitar player, which is super cool, husband and dad to four awesome kids. Josh, welcome to the show. So great to be with you. Can't wait to dive in. I mean, there's just... It, it, I'll be honest, it was kind of hard to prepare for this this conversation because it can go in so many different ways. Like you have a pretty serious background and a lot of experience in what like I would say, like you could go all in on many of those <clears throat> many of those areas. Well, I've I've led a bit of a diverse uh, lifestyle, but in a weird way, they all sort of come together. I mean, so I started my career as a jazz guitar player. And in jazz, you're creating stuff spontaneously. You're collaborating with others. You're sort of inventing new models. And I still feel like I play jazz. I just use different media. You know, sometimes it's playing yeah. guitar. Other times it's now um, backing a tech company. Other times it's giving a keynote or writing a book. So I know it sounds odd, but there is this strange little through line in, in this whole mix of weird things that I do. And, and look, I'm very grateful that I get to, to create stuff every day and and try new things and make mistakes. What is it about riffing on a jazz guitar, or I should say just guitar in general and, and jazz music that, that just puts a smile on your face? So for those that may not know, and, and not everybody likes jazz, it's it's an acquired taste to be sure, but um, it's sort of a dangerous art form. It's the only art form that I, I understand that is real time. So, you know, if you're painting a, 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 on canvas, you, you're having a bad day, you can stop, you can correct a mistake. You're, you're spontaneously composing and performing jazz in real time. So only 1% mm. of the notes are on the written page and the rest you have to improvise as you go. So one of the things I love is that it's kind of dangerous. It's never the same. You're, you're taking these responsible risks. You're pushing your creative boundaries. And it's also this interactive thing where you're collaborating with your fellow musicians and the audience members, and it all comes together. And again, sometimes it falls down, <laughs> but but when it works, yeah. it's this really cool moment that that's happening in real time. It's real time art. And so to me, that's always been fascinating. It's never dull. It's always been challenging. And I, actually, I think that the business world today is very much like playing jazz, where things are so complex, they're changing so quickly. We don't have the luxury of all the notes in front of us. We have to improvise as we go. Really, today, you're playing jazz, and, and so are people in lots of different industries as well. I like that example. That's uh, that's a cool analogy. It makes me think. I wrote a um, I wrote a profile on Robin Williams in in my book, Personal Socrates, and one of the things that really stuck out is is something very similar to what 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 you just said. He 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 said something. I'll paraphrase that. You know, stand up comedy is you know it's it's magic when it works. And it's terrifying and disaster, disastrous when it doesn't work, right? Which makes me think of of what you just shared with, uh, you know, playing the guitar, but also I imagine speaking as well. You know, something. I mean, you, you're you have so much experience in your belt, you can probably recover quite fast, and no one would even notice. But if you think of like your earlier days uh, when you were learning, or even in your entrepreneurial world, like when things goes when things go wrong. Uh, what helped you just course correct or like regain that that momentum or that confidence? I guess you, I guess I can say. It's such a great question. I'm glad you asked that um, because so when you think about a jazz musician going out and performing live art in front of a live audience, you say, well, how do you have the confidence to do that? How do you know you're going to get it right? And mm. the secret is, you know, you're not going to get it right. In fact, you know, you're going to get it wrong. 
which is the same in business and by the way, relationships and keynote speaking and everywhere in between. The, the confidence doesn't come from perfection. It comes from knowing you'll probably screw it up, but having the understanding and wherewithal on how to get back on track. And I think that's actually a really good metaphor. You know, we look at these very successful people and thank gosh, they probably never make mistakes. Quite the opposite. They make tons of mistakes. The, the difference isn't that they have perfectionism or, or some confidence they're going to get it right. It's that they know how to recover. And so for me, that's a skill that I've been trying to, to work on now for, for over 40 years playing music and, and 30 years in business. And I'm still working on it. Frankly, I'm still learning. You know, when you have some setback, when something goes off the rails, it never feels good. It's not like we should hug our failures or something. But on the other hand, it's more like, okay, let, let's let's learn from it. Let, let's size it accordingly. Let's compartmentalize it. Let's move forward. And I think that's that willingness to get back after you've been, uh, after you suffered some type of defeat or loss that really is the hallmark of professionals, both, both in music and in business. That's great points. So Josh, let's, I mean, why don't we back it up a little bit, share a little bit uh, about your your journey and and just what got you to, uh, I guess you could say, where you're at right now uh, in all those different ventures. Normally, I actually, normally I start off the show with a who are you question. Everyone gets that question, but you kind of answered that right off just with the, with the guitar, uh, you know, examples and, and whatnot. But feel free if you want to, you know, uh, start with uh, avoiding job titles and dump jumping into just like, who is Josh, you know, at the core of your, your being today? Cause this evolves, like, who are you? What, what how would you define yourself? Well, also a really thoughtful question. Um, and I like the fact that you're uh, distinguishing between your resume titles and such and who you are as a person. Um, for me, I, I like creating things. So I, I think I'm a, a creative person. I, I love learning love learning. I, if I'm not learning, I'm just shriveling. So I read crazy. I, all times I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I just love learning. I love teaching. So I find myself to be a teacher in different media. Sometimes it's writing a book. Sometimes it's doing a podcast. Uh, hopefully sometimes it's, you know, giving a keynote. Uh, so I love learning. I love teaching. I like creating. And those are the, and I, and I like helping other people, especially helping other people succeed in various ways. Uh, and so those are my kind of things that I like to do. And that's probably what best defines me. Um, I, I, um, I, I think, you know, here it's weird. You can't say you're humble, but I, I really celebrate humility and generosity mm -hmm. and kindness. I think so many people think to be successful, you have to be a raging jerk. And I don't. I think that you can be compassionate and kind and warm and supportive. Uh, one of my little personal mantras is give generously, don't keep score. And and oh, that to I me, like you know, I'm saying who am I as a human being? That that's kind of who I, who I am. And I don't say like in a weird, creepy, like you know, humble boasting kind of way. I, I really that that's yeah. how I, I tend to live my life. So I believe in abundance, and I believe in helping others, and I believe in kindness. And you know that that's manifested in a dump, bunch of professional titles: CEO and venture capitalist. And I bought and sold companies and created over a billion dollars of investor income and created over ten thousand jobs and such. But um, I'd rather be known as someone who's kind and generous than than have someone with a fancy title. Beautiful. And, and we, you know, we were talking about this before we hit record, but I've, I've experienced uh, just a sliver of, of, of what you guys are offering. And, and I'm referring specifically to Three Ring Circus, uh, which we can jump into at, at any point. But my, my point on this one is that you can feel that generosity and that willingness to, to help others on the other side, which honestly, I feel like is a, um, is a bit of a superpower, you know, in, in 2022. Like there's not, there's a lot of people that say that and you, you, you see right through it quite quickly once you start flowing through click funnels and all these different things and whatnot. Right. So it, it's nice. Um, 
as an end user, it was nice to experience that. And I'm not surprised to hear your answer to that who are you question because it, it really does show up um, with you and your partners, frankly. So thank you. I mean, a, a higher thank you for from everyone on the other side that's experiencing the, the work that you guys are putting out into this world. That's awesome. For, for those that aren't listening, just because you mentioned it, so Three Ring Circus, it really was a passion project, but we launched it uh, years back to help uh, people who want to be professional keynote speakers to either launch or scale their speaking practice. And through lots of our own learnings and mistakes, we share you know a very deliberate path to go from here to there. And I'm not I'm not making a commercial. I just want to you know clarify what that yeah, was. It's been really sure. cool. I, we were talking about impact before the, we started, and it's what a gift to see you know someone that you helped out, and now they're making you know I'll get texts all the time. Hey, just got a standing ovation in front of 2,500 people, and like that's the coolest thing ever to know that you in some teeny little way help them thrive and help those audiences thrive from their their important messages. So it's it's been a real fun passion project for us, and I'm glad you got some value from it. Yeah, absolutely, and and and. By all means, it's it, not at all a commercial. I mean, frankly, we, we were connected by uh, a past guest and, and a great friend of mine uh, on the show, uh, Ben Nimpton, who, uh, you know, I've personally, you've seen his speaking career just go from, oh, it seems like Ben's doing some speaking to, wow, Ben's really crushing it in the speaking world. And when I reached out to him uh, for some advice in, in the topic, he said, you know, you've got to talk to Josh. You've got to go see uh, what they're doing at three ring circus. They're the best. So, uh, you know, it's, um, those recommendations, recommendations speak very loudly, obviously. So Josh, I'd love to, I'd love to see how you got to your speaking career and your world and whatnot. Like what led up to being the number, you know, the number one booked speaker in, in, in the innovation space? Like how does that transpire? Well, what happened for me is I did a lot of public speaking as the CEO of my company, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was in the groove. I, you know, I have a background in performing arts as, as a musician, and I felt it wasn't so much look at me, though. It was more like, hey, look at the impact I can create in others. It's more like, look what you can do. I mean, to me, a great keynote, by the way, is an act of service and generosity. It's not boastfulness and arrogance. It's, it's lifting other people up and, and giving them new frameworks to, to use to have better lives, be better equipped. And so I recognized, and I was getting really good feedback. Like people would come up and say, hey, you know, I liked your talk better than the keynote speaker. Uh, but I realized I wasn't a professional. So I, I said, all right, how do I go from being a somewhat good amateur to at least a bad professional? And so <laughs> I, love it. I, took a I, I took a deliberate approach. I studied with a speaking coach for, for uh, eight to 10 months. I read everything there is. By the way, to this day, 15 years later, I still watch tape the way an athlete does. I study the craft. I, I try to work on... Every, you know, some of the geeky stuff like stage mechanics and breathing and 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 vocal range and rhythm and repetition. But I also work at, at you know, storytelling. And so to me, you think about all the impact that has been delivered from a platform, from the I Have a Dream speech that Martin Luther King gave to, to speeches from famous world leaders and others. Really, when you give a keynote, you, you have the opportunity to change the world. And in fact, if you're not trying to do that, then there's no business giving a keynote. To me, every speech is really a persuasive speech. It doesn't mean you're selling a used car. It means that you're trying to persuade people to, to think differently or to understand mm -hmm. their world in a little bit different way or, or adopt a new model. And so to me, to, to use that as a platform and a mechanism to effectuate change was really compelling. So I worked at it. I took every speech I could get. I spoke in the basement of churches. I spoke in things with all kinds of horrible background noise, you know, it, uh, for, for, for a tuna sandwich. And, uh, and over time, I, you know, you, you work on your craft, you develop skills, and, and, and the business eventually started to blossom. You know, fast forward to today, I, I've delivered over 1,100 keynotes uh, all, all over the world from Dubai to Colombia to London, Australia, and of course, just about everywhere here in the U.S. It's amazing. What, do you remember, 
Like, what was the question or series of questions that made you really shift? Because, I mean, you've started several businesses. I mean, you continue to, st- to, to work in that space. But really, like, it seems like a lot of your time is going towards speaking, just in the sheer volume of, of, of talks that you have booked. Like, do you remember what you were reflecting on or the question that helped you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in on this avenue? I don't remember a specific question, but I do remember for years, I loved watching keynote speakers. I used to hire them at my own company. And to me, it was like, wow, I had this this intense, catalytic, energizing moment to be inspired and learn something new and and look at a different way that the world can work. And so I personally, as as a consumer of great keynotes, um, loved it. I, I was just blown away. I was, you know, hanging on every word. And there's those little nuggets. I'm sure you've had this where someone says a little nugget and it sticks with you for a decade. Yeah. And it has like a meaningful impact in your life. And I was like, wow, if I could do that, I mean, if I could help people that way, if I could have that type of impact, wouldn't that be awesome? And so I never approached it like, oh, I want this glory and I'll get this applause and I could tell my war stories. I still don't. In fact, when I give a 60-minute keynote, I rarely tell anything about me. It's more about, you know, research and ideas and such for the audience's stake. But uh, so there wasn't like a single moment, but I, I just through sure. watching others, I just saw an opportunity to give back and to make a difference. And 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 I love learning and teaching. Those are two of my biggest values. I love teaching, performing, learning. I, I mean, that you, you put all those in a blender and you get a keynote speaker. Yeah. And, and furthermore, just last thing I'll say is, you know, the, the, the idea of like a motivational speaker, to me, that sounds very cheesy, like some dude in a bl- plaid jacket, you know, spouting a bunch of cliches and platitudes. And I've seen that and I, we all have. And that, that, that's awful. But, but when you've seen someone that's really special, that, that's able to deliver content that really makes you wake up and see things differently, uh, that, that impact is just, to me, it's a beautiful moment. And I, I still, to this day, I'm a humble servant of that. I try, I try very hard to, to leave those moments in people's lives. Love it. Well, it seems. I mean, again, it, it's. I'm always fascinated how the the show always circles around uh, the answer to how the answer that the guest gives for you know who are they and it, before you even said it, as you're explaining, you know what, what what's been driving you and like there's that learning, that curiosity, and and serving others essentially uh, came out in in in, in full force. You know, there's one really quick thing I just add. Yeah, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but um, no, go for the other it. thing is I felt like I had an important message. So for me, I, I'm mediocre at most things in business, but I was pretty good at creativity. And, but I realized that I'm not just good at creativity. We're all good at creativity. So I have this fundamental belief. And by the way, now the research bears this out, that all human beings are inherently creative. That's our natural state. Like we are hardwired to be creative in different ways, by the way. Like I can play jazz yeah. guitar pretty well. I can't draw a stick figure if I tried. So someone listening doesn't have to be good at a particular art form, but they, they, they might, their art might be the way they sell or the way they service a customer or, or write code or whatever. But I realized that I started zooming out and saying, wow, what if, if everybody has this ability and most people keep it rather dormant, what if I unlocked it? And like, I felt so tied and drawn to this, to a degree of calling to say, man, if I can help people unlock their creative abilities, many of the world's challenges might just melt away and, and maybe their businesses would thrive and maybe our communities and we could reduce crime or we could create more social justice or help our planet. So I looked at it not only as a mechanism to like inspire people, but I felt like I had a message that had to be heard. And I felt for some reason I was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say chosen, but, 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 you know, called to, to sure. help people awaken their creative abilities to effectuate positive change in the world. So it was the intersection of having an important topic area and then also wanting to do the craft. Yeah. What do you think keeps people locked up with their creativity? Well, I've researched this now for 20 plus years, and I'll tell you the number one blocker of creativity 
isn't natural talent. Once again, we are all creative. The biggest blocker is fear. And fear is that poisonous force that really robs us of our best thinking. You know, we, we all have some cool idea, but then we, we hold it back. Think about in a meeting, you know, five people in a meeting, one person has an idea, the other four become the idea police. And they tell yeah. you all the reasons the idea is not going to work and it won't fit in the PowerPoint deck and the boss will never approve the, the budget. And, and so we're in the business of shooting down ideas to a degree. And, yeah. and there's this culture. And by the way, it's not even bad intention. You know, we're, we're, we're afraid of looking foolish or we're afraid of failing or letting someone down or, or hurting our careers. So we tend to play it very safe creatively. Um, mm -hmm. But the ironic thing is that those that play it safe, that's actually a risky move. You know, playing it safe didn't work out so good for Oldsmobile or Pan Am Airlines. Yeah. So I feel like we, we kind of owe it to ourselves to, to awaken this talent, this incredible gift. Furthermore, I'll just say that, you know, the world today requires it. Many of the competitive advantages of the past have melted away. And now we're in this volatile world of, of, of you know, photo finish victories. And I think, you know, stoking those creative fuel flames is no longer optional. I think it's mission critical. But to answer yeah. your question specifically, the biggest blocker is 100% fear. And, and fear and creativity just can't coexist in a company. So as leaders, if we can remove the fear, you're, you're, you're awakening something that's already there. It's not even having to learn a new skill. You're, you're liberating a talent, uh, which then just becomes a wildly important competitive advantage. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Fear is really, fear really is the devil. I mean, I feel like it comes up, not just in creativity, but just real, like I think of Ben's work as well around like bucket lists and, and whatnot. It's usually fear that, you know, is, is holding us back from saying, hey, this is the, this is the number, these are the 10 things I want to do before I die, for example. Or, um, I mean, there's just, there's so many examples, even the micro examples of, I have an idea in a meeting and, and you know, oh, I'm not going to lift my hand up to, sh to share that. It's usually some, you know, fear of judgment of some sort. And, uh, it's just, I feel it too, obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, immune to fear, but man, I wish, I wish we, we could unlock more practice in, in more ways to either identify that that is fear or rechannel in some way. And I mean, there's a ton of, on my side, at least there's a lot of like, what if, or imagine if, and you, played out your scenario in, in a way that really works out well. It's a great journaling exercise. Um, but I would love to know, because I, I feel like a lot of people would resonate with, with this, whether they're speaking or not, or just giving a Zoom presentation, like how are some of the things that you do, maybe in the earlier days, or if you even think about, hey, when you landed like your biggest you know, audience, whatever would stir up some emotion for you. Like, what are some of the practices or rituals that you have to, you know, go in fully confident and ready to go and energized and, and to be really you? Yeah, a really good question. Um, you know, well, well, 
performing in the moment, I think there's some rituals, you know, taking deep breaths in advance or sort of visualizing the outcome. You know, a lot of it also has to do with preparedness. So if you've done the sure. work leading up to that, whatever your performance is, could be in a stage or, or a meeting or a boardroom or whatever. You know, if you've done the work and you've, 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 you've chess gamed this thing out a million ways, you're, you're going to be more confident walking in. And I think also then the question is, you know, can, can you pre-cycle a way to course correct? Like, for example, hmm. you're giving a keynote and boy, if I get off, then I'm just getting angry. Instead of like, oh my gosh, the world's ending. I'm so freaked out. Maybe you just anchor back to a particular story or you tell your, you, you picture your best friend or something. So there might be a, a predetermined way that if you are derailed, you're able to regain your footing. Hmm. Um, I will say something That's else good. about fear though. There's a really simple way to fix this in a brainstorming session. Brainstorming, okay. it turns out, was invented in 1958, and it's a really out-of-date exercise. It's perfectly designed, in fact, to yield mediocre ideas for the very reason, fear, because, again, I share an idea and you don't like my idea, then, I, you know, I got all kinds of problems. Simplest way to fix this. It's a technique I developed called role-storming, R-O-L-E. So role-storming is brainstorming in character. In other words, you're pretending that you are someone else while you're taking on a real world challenge. So like, let's say you and I worked at a company and we're like, all right, how are we going to grow revenue by 15% next year? And if, if you were brainstorming as Mark, you might like just clam up. It's natural. You don't want to look foolish or whatever. But if I said, all right, Mark, now you're, you're instead of brainstorming, why don't you roll storm? You're going to pretend that you're Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. No one's going to laugh at Steve for coming up with a big idea. They're going to laugh yeah. at Steve for coming up with a small idea. So now in this case, you're liberated. You could say anything you want because there's no fear of retribution. You're sharing an idea. Hey, that was Steve's idea. It's not mine. You don't have to take responsibility for it. And it's the yeah. simplest thing. So if grab one of those like, hello, my name is stickers and everyone chooses their own character. You could be Beyonce. You could be a Hemingway. You could be uh, uh, whoever you want, you know, an inventor. Uh, you could be Da Vinci. And, and, and you, but you got to stay in character during that jam session. And okay. I'll tell you, the results are stunning. I was doing this one time with this executive team at Sony Japan. I met this guy who was like the stiffest human being I've ever met. Super formal and like dark suit and white shirt. And his tie is choking him. Anyway, we got this guy roll storming as Yoda. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've never seen personal transformation like this. This dude's jackets are done. His ties, like he's like leaping around the room. And, and the whiteboards were filled with ideas. And, and crucially, I didn't teach him that. He was creative, as all of us are. But the mm -hmm. role he was in before forbid it. We put, the, put him in a new role, and he was unshackled. He was able to really share his natural talent, and it was amazing. And so for each of us, next time you do a brainstorm, forget brainstorming, try role storming. You'll be blown away. I'm telling you, it's super effective and really easy. Who is, uh, who is your go-to character for uh, whenever you do this? Well, You're I'm a big, big John Coltrane guy, fan. What's yeah, that? Okay. I was going to say, you're a big superhero fan, aren't you? I like superheroes. I, I'm a Coltrane fan. Sometimes I'll be okay. MacGyver, which is kind of a fun one. Uh, you know, he uses resourcefulness, which is yeah. cool. Um, sometimes I'll be like a five-year-old kid, like looking at it with different set of eyes. And here's a funny one. Sometimes I'll be a villain. Mm. And it's really funny. So to be clear, I'm not hoping to do villainous things. Of course not. But when you're thinking <laughs> oh like, gosh. hey, I'm Darth Vader in this. And you're like, oh, I would, you know, attack in this way. You're obviously not going to do something evil or immoral. Of course not. But it, it pushes your thinking in a whole different way than you would ordinarily think. So it's fun to sometimes be the, the white knight. And other times it's fun to be the villain and, and see what you come up with. And, and of course, if they come up with an <clears> evil <throat> idea, don't do the evil idea. Just study and say, okay, how can I flip that to be an appropriate and thoughtful and, and honoring uh, uh, a positive idea? It's amazing. Well, and just for everyone listening too, there this is a super fun exercise that you can 
You can also do on on the personal side of things, and I've seen uh, or I've I've read and researched. Um, Maya Angelou did similar things like this, or she would answer personal questions like, "Well, what would Grandma say or do in this in this particular situation?" Or there, um, when unwanted emotions show up, for example, and this is coming from Jeff Warren, uh, co-author with Dan Harris of Meditation for for Fidgety Skeptics. You know, he would he'll he'll identify. Oh that's anxious Luke that just walked into the party or, you know, depressed uh, Deborah or something like that. And it's, you know, it's about acknowledging almost on the third person, like what you're doing. And all of a sudden it just lightens the situation a little bit, right? It removes a lot of that pressure. And, and he notoriously says, you know, you can, you can stay for a drink, but you're, you're not staying for the whole party and and thanks for, for showing up type thing. So yeah. So I'd encourage people to play around with that. Yeah, just using different mental frameworks like that really changes your whole approach. Um, another one I wrote about, I wrote a book last year called Big Little Breakthroughs, How Small Everyday Innovations Drive Oversized Results. And one wow. of the cool techniques I, it just triggered me to think about is um, Aerosmith, the band. So Aerosmith mm-hmm. has a meeting. You know, you think of them as just, you know, partiers, but they, they're, they're a company. Like, they have a meeting. And once, a, I think it's once a month, they have a meeting. It's called the Dare to Suck Meeting. And you're only allowed to bring ideas that you think are so crazy, so outlandish, so bold that they're probably going to suck. And Steven Tyler says, you know, the lead singer, he's like, you know, look, most of the ideas actually suck. Like we're, we're aiming for that. He goes, but so let's Mm -hmm. say you dismiss nine out of them out of 10. So what? But the the 10th that, how do you get, do look like a lady or love at an elevator. And so they said some of their most bold, successful accomplishments came from their dare to suck meeting where they're not even allowed to share safe ideas. They're only allowed to share ideas that seem preposterous and in turn, amazing creativity surfaces. It's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing that, that, uh, that additional example. I mean, there's so many, so many different things you can do with that, that practice. And that's why, I mean, that's why I host this show. It's just, there's like this stuff is accessible, right? And it doesn't, you don't have to go on a, you know, seven day silent retreat to, you know, expose all this stuff. And and if you want to, obviously, I mean, that's, those are great practices, but these are like the micro adjustments that make tremendous or lead to tremendous results. It's powerful. Josh, your mental fitness routine, whether you know you have one or not, um, I would love to dive into it because I, I imagine there's some things that you do that are non-negotiables in your life. Uh, someone that, you know, also travels uh, quite a bit uh, for your work. And usually with travel, there, you know, a regular routine gets rocked. But I'd like to know what are those non-negotiables that stick around when it doesn't matter what time zone you're in? Yeah, good, really good question. Um, one thing that I do, so in, in technology, if you're writing software, there's an old saying, if you want to change the outputs, you got to change the inputs. So I do a little ritual. Mm-hmm. Usually it's one minute a day minimum, if I have more time, obviously, but um, where I sort of guzzle the creative inputs of others. So I might go on YouTube and watch a live musical performance, or I might read a poem out loud or watch interpretive dance or something. And so the whole notion is just sort of bathing in other people's creativity. To me, it allows me to actually kind of frame my own creativity. It's changing the inputs and gives me yeah. new outputs, which is why I love learning and reading so much, because those are inputs. Um, another thing that I do is I spend a lot of time reflecting um, not 
is I reflect on what I did, like, like, hey, what happened last week? What's working? What's not? So I'm sort of always analyzing my own game, but I spend even more time looking forward. And so think about as planning, but not planning like, okay, a task. It's more planning mindset. So, okay, hey, how do I want to show up next week? Or I, you know, looked on last week and I was thinking about this week. I'm like, hey, I've got this session with Mark. Like, I'm really excited about that. What are we going to talk about? And so I sort of pre-cycle things. And, and to me, mm. it allows me to show up back to the notion with creative confidence, um, but also just in the right kind of mental state. Um, and the other thing is, I just think it's so important for us to take time for, for uh, recovery. And, and that can yeah. look different for different people. For me, when I play guitar, it's, I find it very nurturing. Um, if I play certain sports, I find that very stressful because I'm not as athletic as I like to be. So yeah, sure. it could be the exact opposite for, for a different person. So there's not a right or wrong answer for anyone listening. I just say, find what's right for you. What's your muse? And find ways yeah. to recharge. I think we have to recharge, especially because we're all so full throttle all the time. And whether it's going for a walk in the woods or having a beautiful dinner with your spouse or friend or whether it's you know enjoying a great meal together but but those moments which we think of as frivolous are often the most um, enriching moments of our weeks. I love that you mentioned the the guitar example and recovery. So I, it, it's just such an important topic, and I agree with you. I mean, that's that's the whole point of many of these conversations is to share. It's it's not to prescribe routines and rituals that are like these are the gold standards. Well, like this works for you, this one works for me, and someone on the other side, maybe there's an element of that. And that's the goal here is to inspire just new ways of looking at how we how we can recover and how we can reflect and the questions that we can reflect on and so forth. Um, for your guitar, when you're when you're jamming, are there ideas coming up as well? Like, do you often have the, like you stop kind of midway, like, oh, that's a great idea for a new keynote or an adjustment, or are you just like full in on, uh, you know, what you're playing? It varies. That's, that's also a thoughtful question. You know, sometimes I'm just so immersed, like, I wouldn't even know where I am. Like I just completely lose track of everything. I'm just immersed yeah. in the in the art. Close but other times, yeah, I could be you know kind of goop play, playing a little bit, and I was like, oh, and because what happens is your your brain waves change, and you're 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 thinking of the world differently. You're letting go of some of the normal stress and worries, and you might pop into a new zone that that becomes a brilliant idea. I've often thought about this. Like, when was the last time you heard someone say, okay? I'm sitting at my desk. I'm responding to emails. I'm updating my social profile. I got a voicemail from my boss. I got banging on my to-do list and bam, I'm hit with a lightning bolt of inspiration. <laughs> I think that's happened a grand total of never. Yeah. What you often hear is someone says, hey, I was in the shower or I'm on a vacation or I was at a beautiful dinner with some friends and I had this idea. And so don't get me wrong. There are times where we need to be heads down, cranking it out, doing the work. But I think we don't give ourselves enough time to be heads up. And those heads yeah. up for me might be playing a little guitar for someone else. It might be having a family vacation, but, but that heads up time, when you look back over a career, those actually become the most productive mom moments, not the least. Yeah. It's uh, beautiful. Beautifully said. Hey, there's one other quick ritual though. You're, I, I forgot yeah. to mention. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, I, mentioned, I, I love learning and talk about keeping yourself humble. Talk about keeping yourself fresh. So um, I, as mentioned, been playing guitar for 40 plus years. I've performed all over the world. You know, I'm a pretty good guitar player. I can admit that. Um, but I always wanted to sing. And I was like, yeah, but I just can't sing. And I don't know why I had this blocker because I'm like a growth mindset person, but I was like, oh, I'd love to sing, but I can't. And then mm. I, literally I was 50 years old. I was like, Maybe I should reevaluate that belief. Like, why can't I sing? It's just an instrument. Like, I didn't don't think I'm going to be Sinatra, but I'm like, maybe I could learn to sing. And so in the last year and a half, I've been trying to learn to sing. And I'm watching YouTube videos and I'm practicing scales. And you know what? I'm sucking pretty bad, but I'm learning. 
and I'm getting a little bit better each day. And it's been really fun. It's it's fun to to, to be a beginner at something when we, we've achieved some expertise in another area of life. It keeps your mind going. It keeps you humble. And it's really fun to, to keep notching up little teeny bits of improvement. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you another couple of years and I'll suck a little bit less. And over time, I'll really <laughs> suck less. And there you go. So I've been having fun being it. a white belt beginner and something that I've never been good at. And I'm trying to get better. That's amazing. We need to link you up. Uh, another past guest of the show, you might already know him, Roger Love. I don't know. If you, does his name sound familiar? Sounds familiar. I don't know if I've met him. No? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give some details after after the show. Um, I definitely have to circle back to your reflective practice, or the listeners of this show won't, uh, won't leave me alone on that one, because you mentioned at one point that you do you know, think about questions like what's working, what's not, uh, how do I want to show up next week, and so forth. Uh, again, sticking with the theme of just providing what works for you, um, how do you typically do that? Like, where where are you? It doesn't have to be physically, I mean, because I know you're, you you travel quite a bit, but like, is that, do you find a quiet space? Are you doing that pen to paper? Do you have an app? Like, what's what's the, what are the practical elements of your reflection? Well, um, they always say you can learn um, good things to do from people and also not good things to do. Um, in movies, people are either, are either villains or heroes and they're black and white. And, you know, we humans are less less so. So I'm, I'm not especially proud to say, but sometimes my reflection is having a glass of scotch. Sometimes it's smoking a cigar. And, and just to be clear, I'm not encouraging anyone to, in, you know, in consume carcinogens. Um, you're asking what I do, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'll do that. I'll smoke a cigar and you know, go for a walk or I do actually do a lot of walking. I might have a glass yeah. of scotch. And so point is that ideally it's more healthy than that, <laughs> what others are doing. But yeah, I think the whole key is getting yourself out of that heads down work. So you're not focusing on the near term. You really get a moment to be heads up and, and look at the big picture. It's like zooming out. You know, obviously we're so yeah. zoomed into the details, just however you choose to do it. Hopefully it's not scotch and cigars, but but zooming out, because I think that's, that's what gives us that perspective we're looking for. Well, let's, I mean, don't be so hard on yourself. First of all, uh, so I do I do the scotch thing on on Friday. I try uh, to every every Friday usually around three p.m. four p.m. Try not to do it at the very end of the day, so I'm not like rushing to complete the day. Um, but I'll do a weekly reflection. You know what worked, what didn't work, and and what can I celebrate about the week? Three questions, and it's amazing how much you can learn about one week just with ten minutes of reflection like that. And I really I really believe in in that ritual of having it's either a glass of wine or usually it's a scotch of some sort because it's it's like a celebration of the practice and the week and the and the reflection. So um, again, of, of course, we're, not, we're encouraging people to be pounding back scotches and cigars uh, all week long. But I mean, find the thing I, I would say find the thing that 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 works for you again, right? That that there's nothing wrong with combining and stacking a couple rituals or practices together to, to make the experience that much better. Yeah, it's definitely true. And, and, and for me, sometimes it's, um, so I'm, I'm, um, obsessed with my wife, Tia, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of flack cause I'm always so effusive about it, but she's just my hero. I love her to death. I just, she's, she's my muse, my inspiration. And so sometimes just like, I'll say, hey, can we just like put our phones away and just listen to music together? Or can we just laugh? Sometimes I'll just make up stupid songs and like just ridiculous lyrics and we just laugh together. And and to me, that's really inspiring, you know, to get to spend time with her and and, and kind of be together. And so I just think that like each person can choose their own thing. But the point is finding that thing that recharges your batteries and allows you to be heads up and and really start to reflect about the, you know, what what does the future look like and and what, what are the steps we need to do today in order to bring that future to life? Yeah. 
Josh, what are some aha moments that that you've experienced, whether, you know, through your knowledge uh, practice or, or learning or you, I'm sure you're just being uh, out there seeing a, a lot of other speakers as well and whatnot. Like, have you had any big ahas where you're like, that's interesting. You know, I, I've got to think about that a little bit more. You know, I have ahas all the time. And and I, I we were chatting earlier that to, to a degree, if you're a thought leader of any kind, podcaster, speaker, whatever, um, you're in the business of ahas. Th- those are those moments where you you see the world differently. And and what it, I, I hope I'm discovering new ones all the time. Um, and, I, you know, they, they date back, you know, my grandmother, uh, who was a huge influence, she, she passed in 86. But she always used to tell me, she's like, you know, in any situation, someone's got to be the, the best at it. Why not you? Like if it, it, it wasn't so much being... Um, uh, striving for something that's unachievable. It was more like saying, hey, you know what? There, there's nothing, you know, why, why give other people that shot? Why, why don't you take that shot? And that was really a wonderful thing. And I remember that, you know, 40 plus years later. Uh, mm. So that that's one that's a long, long time ago. But I mean, I, I love these little ahas all the time. You know, one, one aha that I've, I was just reflecting on with someone this morning is that um, money is a byproduct of doing great things more so than something that you chase in and of itself. The aha mm-hmm. that I guess I have is that when when people chase money, they rarely find it. Whereas if you chase yeah. greatness or your potential or impact, then then the money actually comes as a byproduct of doing those powerful things. So if you let go a little bit about just, you know, hey, I'm going to put everything on to make it more money and being selfish intent, but you have a little bit of a more noble intent and you're trying to help others and make the world better, then in the weird counterintuitive way the world works, you end up with more money as a byproduct. So that, that's one that's yeah. an aha that I think uh, that we can all learn from. How do you, cause that's a great one. And it's, it, it's something I think a lot of people are are in this stage, and I put myself in that as, that camp as well. Of just if you're in a transition, let's say, and you're you found work that really lights you up, but you're you are in that transition. Money is tight, and it's like you know you know what you just said. You you you've heard the principle. You know you need to live it, but there's something there between. Well, I need to pay the bills in some capacity. Like there's 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 such a leap of trust. I feel. To, to to really go down the path that you're describing like do you have any tips or or advice for people that are there to you know help navigate that transition a little bit more yeah 100% and and to be clear i'm not saying we shirk our responsibilities like we have we got to pay a mortgage and feed our kids and all that stuff for sure i think the trick is compartmentalizing so okay. when you're cranking it out at work, whatever your job is, you know, be really focus on that. And if that's economically driven, you know, do your best and like be an awesome version of yourself at that. But then when you leave work, instead of like ruminating on, oh, I got to make more money and like, oh, my God, and, like, you know, because we, we get into these doom loops in our head and that mm-hmm. actually creates no value for you or anyone else. I think it's more about compartmentalizing, saying, look, I did my 45 hours at the job. I did what I had to do. Now, instead of just fuming over that over the next, you know, 48 hours, let's stop, you know, bathing in negativity and regret and self-doubt. Let's step, spend that time productively. And now let's be future oriented. Let's, let's think about the, you know, what we can do instead of just what, what's already happened. And I think it's having the ability to, to switch it off a little bit at times. Again, there are times that we need to do that to be clear, yeah. but there are times you can switch it off and it's not going to hurt your day job on a Saturday afternoon. If you're not, you know, thinking about every move in your head, worrying and worrying, like let's spend some time it's funny. We all have a plan B. We were taught, first of all, most of us be really conservative, careful, careful, and then have a plan B. So even if your careful, carefully laid plan doesn't go well, that's your backup plan. Yeah, Nothing wrong with that, I suppose. But that a plan B is what happens if everything goes wrong. Why not have a plan Z? 
What happens if everything goes right? Hmm. Just think about it. So instead of on your weekend, like, oh man, I hope I don't lose my job. I hope that one thing I said to the client, here's my backup plan. What if you took a moment, again, compartmentalize, don't do it forever, but just like take an hour and like, you know what? What if I got that promotion? What if I land the Jones account? What if I get that raise? What if I launch that company? What if I what if I connect with the partner of my dreams? And instead of assuming that things are going to go wrong, why not assume things are going to go right? What might that look like? How might you show up in that case? What are the steps you might do to get there? So I just think we spend so much time bathing in negativity that that if we can flip that a little bit, even periodically, even every now and then, it's it's really yeah. leads to positive outcomes. That's the aha right there for me. I mean, what what happens if everything goes right? I mean, if you journaled on that, whether you're pen to paper, just taking a walk, thinking, audio note, like doesn't matter what the vehicle is, <clears throat> just the question. I mean, you're, you, you automatically switch mental states. Like you can't be in a fear state if you're answering that question. Beautiful. Plan Z. Plan Z. One of those is going to be the show episode title. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is amazing, Josh. I want to respect your time and start wrapping up. Uh, I mean, we could probably jam for for a long time. There's so many avenues that could continue to go with you, um, but I want to. You know, this is a pretty a pretty good point to to probably leave the listeners with. The last thing I'll ask you, though, Josh, is just you know, at the end of the day, you've done incredible things. You continue to do awesome work out there, helping a lot of humans and companies and so forth. Like, what truly makes you smile each day? Um, I mean, I know it sounds cheesy, like a Hallmark postcard, but it really does make me smile when I help other people's help them lift up a bit, you know, like I'll get an email from someone, Hey Josh, I saw a keynote of yours four years ago. And I just got this, you know, we just landed this thing and like, I launched a new product and how cool is that? And, and, and I know it sounds like, like a cheesy thing, but I really mean it from my soul. If I can help people become better versions of themselves that unlock their creative abilities, help them figure out something that they were struggling with. That is the biggest reward. Look, I'm very lucky, and I, I but I don't need a new watch. I don't need a new car. I, I've got all the you know material success. I yeah, that's great. But what what to me what really fuels is is creating impact in other people and, and seeing those aha moments in in people's eyes. That that's a beautiful thing. So back to it. I like playing music. I like learning. I like creating. I like teaching. I like sharing, and um, I'm a happy guy. Amazing. Well, on that note, I'm a happy guy. I'm smiling. I hope everyone else on the other side listening uh, are smiling as well. I want to thank you for making time to come on the show and, and share your journey and share some of this mental fitness. It's been beautiful. And a higher thank you, Josh. Uh, right full circle to what, how you just answered that question, but really for dedicating your time and, and so many different ventures that truly are you know, helping a ton of other humans. There's such a beautiful ripple effect to your work that, you know, I have to say a huge thanks and, and to everyone listening as well, obviously. Thank you. Thanks so much. And I appreciate and acknowledge the great work you're doing on this podcast. I think you're likewise making a real impact in people's lives. And I just encourage you to keep at it. It's making a difference, brother. It's awesome. Uh, received. Received.